award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We thank you for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, we got a fun show for you today, and we're back on Zoom uh, this week, and uh, uh, just wanted to to connect with Mr. David Haney, and he's going to be our guest today. He's uh, our bird guy at, at the office, and uh, he's uh, a smart guy and, and fun to have on, and we enjoy having him when we can. And it's a it's a fun celebration this week with the online celebration of cranes. You know, we couldn't do the crane festival this week, so we've we've kind of adapted the festival and and brought it to you online. So we're we're excited to uh, talk cranes today. So uh, Mr. Don King is helping me co-host, and glad to have him was with me as well. Yes, sir, Jason. Great to be here, and uh, thanks for the invite as usual. And I just wanted to say that, yeah, this is the 30th year for the Sandhill Crane Festival, and it's too bad that we can't be uh, together uh, in person. But, hey, we've we've recorded some, some virtual pieces that I think will be fun to look at this week. And uh, Miss Mimi Barnes has pulled in a lot of the a lot of the partners that that help put the festival on under normal circumstances and and uh it's pretty neat to see their their thoughts and and all and and some good footage of of uh cranes and birds flying around so check them out this week yeah i i've, I've seen some highlights of those videos and and you, and if you've been on our facebook page this week you've already seen quite a few uh posted and uh, there's more to come uh tomorrow i know i'm going to, I think they're going to try to go live uh, go live with uh, some cranes. So hopefully you can tune in on our Facebook page and 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 chat with uh, with the guys and ask your questions and watch the birds fly. So it should yeah, be yeah, be neat. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to touch on uh, a new hat we have in the e store. Uh, oh yeah. So it's a uh, shop dot tennessee dot com. Uh, I'm excited to I'm excited to. Uh, to highlight the hat i know it's for sale right now um i believe it's 20 bucks and uh, that all that money will go to help with the refuge the hiawassee refuge where the birds are are uh, hanging out right now so if if technology helps me here i'll share the screen and we'll show it off to everybody but there's the front view yeah. you see that guys that looks very nice, nice. very nice great. Uh, so yeah, so if you're uh, if you're listening, make sure you go check out the show on our YouTube page or on on Facebook and uh, and uh, go to shop.goutdoorstennessee.com to see the hat. It's got Hiawassee Refuge written across the front and a bird flying. Um, but anyway, I think folks will enjoy the hat. And like I said, it's the proceeds go to a good cause to help help uh, with the refuge and uh, help with the cranes and all that fun stuff. So we'll have to get one of those. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. Well, uh, and there's a lot more there. I know uh, we tout it quite often, but there's a lot of hats available uh, on that site. Uh, we got a lot of different styles. I think some of the the uh, breast cancer awareness uh, hats are there as well with the pink patch. You can still pick those up and uh, and a lot of other styles. So just keep your eye out for for new stuff on the, on the e-store. Uh, I think Don had one of the first first brown hats is it you still wear it quite often yeah sure do and uh, a lot of people are envious because those sold out <laughs> so there's no more to be had unless we uh redo them at some point but uh anyway i'm a proud owner of one so 
So yeah, it's a nice hat. New styles ever, ever so often and, and new products. So go check it out. Um, well, David, introduce yourself to folks on the show. Uh, I know some folks have, uh, or you've been on in the past. Uh, we were at, at the refuge once with you, and, and I think we had you on once other, one other time. Maybe it was via Zoom, I think, last time. But right. um, introduce yourself again to the folks yeah. and watching. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on the show. You know, it's great to see both of y'all, and it's too bad. It is too bad that we can't be down. You know, looking at the the cranes and and hearing them because that's just such a great sound to hear, and it's really neat to be out there at Hiawassee. But uh, I'm basically the um, bird conservation coordinator for Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency, and my responsibilities lie uh, trying to um, you know keep species off the endangered species list or get species off of them. And, and in the state of Tennessee, we have a wildlife action plan. And so we've identified, you know, about 90 bird species that are in that plan that, that I'm responsible for managing for. And, and sandhill cranes is, is one of those species. You've got your work cut out for you, sounds like, with that many birds to, yeah. to keep, keep your eye busy. on. <laughs> keep me busy. <laughs> and, and do you have a team that works with you? Do you got a few people to help you there? Well, I get some, I get some help from the regional folks, but um, within Nashville office, it's just myself me myself and i all right well we we know you do good work and and uh, you you um give us updates ever so often we appreciate that and and uh i know you're doing good work there uh especially with those on the list you got to keep an eye on those for sure that's right definitely well let's talk about cranes a little bit i know right now is uh the celebration and and uh that you know don mentioned this would have been the 30th year of the festival in person uh, I don't know, maybe we'll call next year the 30th anniversary so we can <laughs> together. But um, but tell us why the birds are here. Why are the Sandhills stopping over in, at Hiawassee and why is it so important? Yeah, basically the birds that are coming down to Hiawassee are part of the larger eastern population of Sandhill cranes. And, and a lot of those birds, um, you know, will breed around the Great Lakes um, during the breeding season, then come down into this area during the winter. Um, Obviously, the lakes are freezing up up there, and so they need a different place to go. And so, you know, the numbers can vary depending on how harsh the winters are. But um, the population within the, the eastern Sandhill Crane population has been really increasing since um, 1979. I know that there were about 15,000 cranes in the population, and, and now we're about at 90,000. So about 90,000 birds in the the eastern population of cranes and you know a lot of those birds are, are coming down and going to Hiawassee I know we get several high counts down there um, and basically we use the winter waterfowl surveys to track the numbers of these birds and and so um, you know that's been going on since about the 50s and so in Tennessee you can see you know regularly the sandal crane at Hiawassee and then um, also you'd be able to locate it out in um, West Tennessee at Hopin Refuge. And so those are two of the, the locations in Tennessee where you can really dependably get detections and, and see the sandhill crane, which is a beautiful bird. I forget about Hopin. I forget about that they, they take that path as well on that side of the state. And that's, that's cool. I guess not as many birds there maybe, or, or are there? Do you know? Well, there's about half as many, I think, from some of the numbers that I've seen. So, I mean, you can get up to like 7,000 or so, I think. 
so there's opportunities there, I guess, to, mm-hmm. to watch them yeah. well if you want to go out and watch them. Yeah, definitely. Are, are there viewing towers or viewing areas there to, to hang out? Or I'm not yeah. familiar too much with hopping and what the opportunities are there. Yeah, and I'm not either. I think it would just be a matter of showing up and, and taking a look around. I mean, you can also visit the um, Tennessee Birding Trail website, tennesseebirdingtrail.org. And that'll give a detailed description of all the sites in the state that are out there for, for just going to look at sandhill cranes or any bird species. So if you just go and visit that site, I mean, it's a really neat site because you can go to hop in refuge and it'll tell you what time of year is the best time to go visit, what species you can expect to see at that location. Um, and just give you hints and, and tips on what's there and what, amenities are available so it's a really great site if you're going to do any type of birding not only for the cranes but for other species just to go to that site before you go out and it'll give you directions on your phone just to to get you right to the spot where you're supposed to be yeah okay awesome um and you kind of touched on this a little bit i think but what what's um what's one of the reasons the cranes like that Hawassi refuge so much is the food, the habitat, what, what's the key thing that keeps them coming back, keeps them stopping? Yeah, I, mean, I, th- I think it's all of that. I mean, you know, they really need a place where they can roost and feel comfortable. And so if you notice or have ever been out to Hiawassee, you know, at night they'll, they'll keep their backs to the, the water and, and faces front to make sure that there's no predators coming in. And so that's a great place where they're undisturbed down at the refuge at Hiawassee. And then, you know, the surrounding fields provide, you know, a lot of forage opportunity for these birds. And so, you know, they'll go out during the day and, um, you know, forage around all the fields and, and come back at night. And, I mean, another place to find some good information on um, the crane and other species would be um, tnwatchablewildlife.org or, or on our website as well. Um, you know, we have a detailed description of, you know, all the, the commonly or, or all the birds occurring for the most part in Tennessee. Yeah. And I've got bird sounds out there and all kinds of yeah, information. That's right. Helps you identify and all that fun stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, well, staying with Hiawassee Refuge, I think, um, just wanted to talk about the, the viewing tower out there. Don was out recently shooting some video and, and the tower's still there and, and a great spot to see the birds from. And, um, but if you want to get out that way, uh, just I think well, you can pretty easily Google that and it'll come up, you know, directions to the refuge and how to find that. But um, it's a great spot to overlook and bring your spotting scope. And I think there were some folks out there doing that, weren't they, Dom, when you were out shooting some video? There sure were. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> like David said, that that is open uh, pretty much during normal hours, uh, pretty much every day of the year. Uh, I think there are a couple of days of the year where it isn't, but but for the most part, you can go out there virtually anytime and uh, and do some viewing. Uh, this time of year is is really good. Um, and as David mentioned, you know the the uh, the sites that he mentioned also will give you the directions and that kind of thing. But like you said, Jason, you can Google that and you can uh, uh, just you know find it pretty easily. But it's it is a, a neat area down there and even driving into the refuge, you'll, you'll see and hear birds flying the area. As David mentioned, you know, foraging in the fields, cause it's just rife with, uh, with, with farmland and, and private land around there that, uh, that hosts those birds as well during the day that they'll go out and feed and then, and then come back 
and, and roost. So it's, it's a really neat area. Awesome. Yeah. And there's a lot of cool information there at the, at the gazebo or at the viewing tower where you can, um, uh, read up on the birds and, and get information as well there. If I remember right. So, uh, go check them out, go check out the refuge, go check out the birds. Uh, like I said, anytime this time of year, it doesn't have to be this weekend. doesn't have to be during the, during the festival or, uh, you can go check them out just about any time uh, in the wintertime. So. Yeah, starting in about mid-November, is that right, David? You you might be able to begin to see them coming in and then through uh, uh, end of January, February for sure. Yeah, I mean, they really start to come in and, you know, in December and in January is when, you know, we're getting some of the highest counts. And, I mean, so there are a lot of, of other birds that you'd be able to see out there at, at at Hiawassee as well. I mean, when I was down there, just I think it was maybe a month ago when we were doing those recordings, there were a lot of, of bald eagles around there. And, you know, it's just amazing, you know, what's happened in the state when we talk about that species. I mean, that's one of the success stories that we really talk about when we talk about the state wildlife action plan and, and work that this agency has done to, you know, really um, recover a population. Because historically, you know, back when Bob Hatcher was in, in this position, you know, they were basically extinct from Tennessee. I mean, the last records, I think, were on um, real foot in like the 1955, mid-1950s, and then they were basically gone until um, the 80s. And so that's when TWRA and Bob Hatcher started the, the hacking program in 83, I think, was when we started to, to first see successful nests in Tennessee and and since then, I mean, I have a, I maintain a database. So if anyone out there knows of any bald eagle nests, please report them to me at david.hanny at tn.gov. Because I keep a database of all the locations and, and work with um, both state and federal agencies to try and figure out, you know, what the population of bald eagles are in, in Tennessee. And so, so it's and pretty amazing. Any, yeah, the, um, one of the most... Uh, successful hacking towers having to do with bald eagles and eventually golden eagles was right there at that uh in that area around around Hiawassee the the refuge so um I remember going down and shooting some uh segments with Tennessee's wild side back in the early 2000s uh with the golden eagles after we'd kind of migrated over to to working with the golden eagles so uh, in pre prior to that, uh, before my time, uh, there were, uh, the hacking tower was hosting, uh, uh, bald eagles. So, so that's pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, they've made a great recovery. I mean, over 200 active nests in the state now is pretty, pretty amazing. That's cool. I hadn't, I, I knew we, we kept up with them, but I didn't know that, that you were working that close and know a pretty hard number, you know, on, on the number of nests. So that's pretty cool to know that. 200 nests in Tennessee. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's from east to west, right? Oh, yeah. It's the entire state. So, you know, obviously along a lot of the waterways and reservoirs, so that's where they you know, mainly reside. So if someone wanted to get out and, and try to bird watch for, for eagles and, you know, Hiawassee is a good one. Uh, what's some other places you'd suggest, you know, or maybe just go boating and, and start watching, you know? Yeah. I mean, real foot's a great location too. I mean, there's a lot of eagles out there. And then um, if you look at eBird, um, just look at their species map and, and they'll tell you where the birds were sighted within the last two weeks. And so, 
you know, if you just go to eBird, I think it's .org probably, mm-hmm. um, and then you can easily Google it, but but you can just do a search for each of these species, and it'll show you the exact locations of where birders have detected that bird, and you know, for any species, and, and you can go and, and look for them that way as well. Well, it's a it's a cold week, and uh, is that a good time? Is it colder weather better? What's the best weather to, for, for watching eagles and, and, and cranes and, and that kind of thing? I mean, I think just any time's a good time. You know, when they're here, you know, they're going to be more active during the day, obviously, than they are, you know, in the, the evening or night. Um, so, yeah, just get out there whenever you can and, and keep your eyes open. Well, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Dr. Dr. Hatcher or Mr. Hatcher. I don't know if he was a doctor or not, but uh, he, uh, we, they, they created a scholarship in honor of him. Uh, yeah. uh, talk about that a little bit. You were, you were played a big part in that. Yeah. So um, in 2016, you know, we started a memorial scholarship fund for, um, in recognition of all the efforts that Bob Hatcher had done, you know, to recover not only the bald eagle in the state, but I mean, all of the other, um, wildlife and, and animals he was responsible for. I think the position that he had was even um, responsible for more species than, than I had. So he, he had his work really cut out for him. But I mean, he just did an amazing job and it's just a great opportunity to have this scholarship fund that's available. And basically it's um, available to, to students who are a junior or senior and or graduate student that are pursuing a career in ornithology and so we've given out several scholarships starting in 2016 to some well-deserving folks and I mean these guys are doing some great work and continue to do great work as they move forward and and developing their their careers in, in ornithology and so it's just really great to provide this opportunity for these these students and, and young ornithologists to get them um, out in the field and and you know affecting bird conservation as we move forward into the future yes awesome yeah and you can you can go to to our foundation's website twrf.net to learn more about about that program you can also uh, notice there's a video here you can watch and uh but you can donate right you can donate to that scholarship and and help yeah yeah and, and that would be greatly appreciated we did miss this year because of the, the COVID, but um, we'll definitely be recruiting new applicants and, and, and for this next year um, coming up. Awesome. That sounds good. So um, so we've talked about Golden Eagle or, or Bald Eagles. What about the Golden Eagle? Uh, what's yeah, so the, what's going on with that guy? <laughs> yeah, there's a neat story with that one. Um, so we've been doing a project in Tennessee where we've been putting these um, – cellular tracking technology devices, which basically track the, the exact location of the bird um, throughout the, the, the year. And so we put you know, several out at Bear Hollow. Um, we put a few out at, um, at some other locations within Tennessee. And then in February, 2017, we caught a bird at Prentice Cooper. Um, and so a lot of these birds we've found, um, you know, are going up into Quebec and, and, and breeding and spending breeding season, you know, around Hudson Bay there. Um, and then we caught this bird on Apprentice Cooper, which kind of threw us for a loop a little bit, and it went up into Ontario. And so, 
So we thought all the birds that we have been catching in, in, in the, the southern Appalachian Mountains were going up into Quebec. But, um, you know, this bird showed a different story. And so that was really neat. You know, and it caused us to, you know, reconsider, you know, what are the migratory paths of these birds? Are these birds mixing with other birds in, in different locations during the, the breeding season? And so it just really added to, to the questions that we currently have. But I just checked this morning and that bird is, is back again at Prentice Cooper, which is pretty amazing at the exact same location where we caught it. And, you know, it's just amazing how these birds can come back to these exact locations year after year because we put the, the transmitter on it in 2017 and every year since then including this year it's it's come back to the same location for the winter and so i think that's pretty amazing how birds can navigate like that across far distances yeah i um that reminds me of the 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 project with the mallards that's going on tennessee Tech. Yeah. you know they're they're putting those backpacks on those ducks and, and they're coming back to the same spots and that's pretty cool too yeah it's pretty amazing uh, can you talk a little bit about how you catch those golden eagles? I think it's kind of cool how y'all do that work. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of work, and you know, a lot of TWRA staff helps out. We have to put um, some bait stations out for the golden eagles in, in these open locations and forests. And so once we find a location, we'll provide you know, a deer carcass for to try and bait in these these eagles, and they're very skeptical of, of humans or anything around them and so um, they're really hard to trap so you need to set this up make sure that you maintain the bait and then we also put up um, a mock setup for um, the trap that we'll be using and so um, we set all that up and then we have to wait until the bird gets conditioned to that site and it's coming in regularly and then um, some folks, Trish and Mike from Cellular Tracking Technologies, have come out to, to actually trap the birds. And so what's involved with that is they sit in a blind for maybe a whole day. I mean, they're in this blind without moving. And so it can be cold and wet and damp and, and just miserable sometimes. But they sit there, and then once the, the eagle comes into the bait and, and the trap is set, then they just – it's like a rocket net with – that shoots out over the over the eagle and captures the eagle. And so, you know, a few of the efforts that I've been to, you know, have taken maybe one or two days to capture a single eagle. So a lot of work goes into to trapping these birds. And so that's why it's so important to, to get the information and, and, and put that device on. Hey, David, I had a question about that. The, our, uh, are trail cameras used to kind of figure out where the best areas are to try to bait them in? They were actually used to see how the bird was responding to the, the carcass and how often it was coming to the carcass or the bait. And so, um, you know, we were using that to try and figure out the pattern of the bird. And so we know when we have the best chances of going out and actually capturing it. So we did use the, the camera traps and, and that's been a huge effort throughout the East. I mean, it's not only Tennessee that's working on this. It's a lot of states within um, the East that have been putting these transmitters on and, and following the same protocol and, and um, you know, working with the same technology to, to provide really a clear picture of what's going on with this bird in the Eastern United States. I know a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go to one of those uh, sites after they captured the bird uh, the eagle and 
I got to get some video of the release and, and putting the, the tracker on them and all that stuff and got to hold one of them. So that was kind of neat to, yeah. to, to experience that. They're amazing birds. Big bird. Yeah, they're, they're big birds. They're, they're very impressive. Um, <clears throat> well, let's jump into some uh, viewing opportunities. That's what um, I wanted to touch on, too, was just the ability to, to watch birds across the state. Where, where would you suggest if people want to get into to watching wildlife, where to go to do that? And Yeah, definitely both those, those sites that I mentioned earlier. I mean, tnwatchablewildlife.org and then also tnbirdingtrails.org. That'll really give you all the information you need um, to you know, go look for birds in the state of Tennessee. Um, eBird is also a good resource to use um, to figure out where birds are being, being detected throughout the state. Um, and we'll also give you hotspots. But if you're just looking to go out and bird and really want to know what the conditions are of the sites, then I would visit the tnbirdingtrails.org um, because that, again, is just a great site and has a lot of work put into it, not only by um, TWRA, but TO, Tennessee Ornithological Society, and other groups as well to try and get as much information and make it as most, as beneficial as it can to the birders in the state. Yeah, and, and other groups, are, is there, are there groups you can join or Facebook pages you can be a part of, groups, things like that? Yeah, I mean, the Tennessee Ornithological Society has chapters throughout the state, and I mean, it'd be best to reach out to them through their, their website. Um, I'm sure you can just Google Tennessee Ornithological Society and, and find out how, you know, how to get involved with them. I mean, they, they do a lot of work, you know, here locally just by, you know, bringing new birders out and, and showing them how to detect birds, how to use binoculars, you know, how to identify by sight and sound and, and give them several tips. So I would really suggest, you know, getting involved with Tennessee Ornithological Societies to take advantage of some of those resources that are available. Hey, David, I would say, you know, I don't know that I've ever met a birder that wasn't really excited about sharing the information that they have yeah. uh, with new people, you know, yeah. get them involved and, and uh, get them to to care about what's going on out there. So so that's like you said, that's just a great resource to connect with another birder. Now, they may ask you to really be quiet when you're birding but, but you know when they're preparing that kind of thing uh they're they're more than happy to share information about equipment and and uh, just getting getting started yeah i mean now's a great time to get out i mean obviously you know we're restricted to you know going and doing a lot of things and so you know it's great for me just to get out and and go birding you know i like to take pictures of birds and so you know not only just look at them but just get out and take pictures and just basically just getting outside i mean it's a great opportunity to just get outside and look around and get in touch with nature and what's around you well we're gonna run out of time we're hitting the, the two minute mark here so i just wanted to uh, mention we got a lot of refuges a lot of wildlife management areas across the state you know visit our website tnwildlife.org to uh, find these places or the, or the other sites that David's mentioned today. Uh, real quick, backyard. What can you do in your backyard to, to watch wildlife? Oh, I mean, just get your binoculars and start taking a look. I mean, there are a lot of birds that'll just be available. They'll change, you know, from winter to breeding season. You'll get different birds. And so I'm not sure if people want to put up feeders, but you can put out feeders, both um, seed feeders or um, hummingbird feeders that you would regularly maintain. And that could draw 
few more birds, especially during the winter, to your yard, and then also just providing nesting opportunities for for bluebirds and, and other bird species in there, and there you are. They are wearing my feeders out, David. I yeah, need okay. to uh, refill here right after we finish. <laughs> I bet. It's snowing out there today. Yeah. Yep, it's a cold week, but hey, get out to the refuge and uh, check out what's going on out there. Watch the birds, watch the cranes, and then I hope you all enjoyed this online celebration of cranes this week on, on our Facebook page. But uh, David, thank you, and uh, thank you, Don, and we'll see everybody next time. All right. Thank you for having me on the show.